Hello, hello, hello. I hope you guys had an amazing weekend or weekday or whatever it is that you had before you were listening to this one. Uh, today's episode is all about everything you need to know about being self-employed, everything you need to know about uh, mortgages and financing when it comes to being self-employed. We've had a lot change in the last couple of years, so we wanted to do an updated episode because a lot of people are adding and doing side hustles, going contracted, starting different types of positions, starting their own businesses, and we've had so many more questions uh, than usual. So as always, this uh, episode is brought to you by Dean Lawton, Derek Williamson, and myself, Alex McFadden. We are the owners and partners here at Thrive, and our goal realistically is to help your family create wealth in real estate, and we aim to do that by giving you better lending advice and helping you guys create wealth through multiple investment purchases. So again, whether you're a first-time buyer or if you're a real estate agent looking for a reliable team, make sure to reach out to us. And if you're just loving the podcast, and you're looking for valuable information, then just leave us a great review on iTunes, if so, or send us a message on Instagram at the at Thrive Mortgage Co. or at the YVR Remo Show, and we'd really appreciate it. Enjoy the episode, guys. See you on the other side. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YVR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. It's that time of year, guys. We call it tax planning time. Um, this is uh, every time of the year around you know January, February, March, we often get a lot of questions from people who are self-employed or they're thinking about going self-employed about lending and financing. And for those who don't ask, uh, this is the time to start asking those questions because you're starting to consider the idea of filing your taxes, what to pay yourself, how to pay yourself. And for a lot of people, it might be your first time being self-employed, second time uh, doing your taxes, or alternatively speaking, you've just got incorporated. So. We figured since we're getting so many questions about these types of topics right now, we'd love to hop on and really have a discussion about planning ahead and being self-employed, what to look out for, some of the common myths that we see right now and some ways around that. So, you know, whether you're contracted, self-employed, sole proprietor, incorporated, you're going to see some value out of this conversation for sure today. So let's uh, let's hit it. Let's talk a little bit about it, uh, guys here. Derek, do you want to lead us off? Yeah, I mean, planning at tax time is huge, right? It's... Um a lot of people who are self-employed shoot themselves in the foot, unfortunately, this time of year. Uh, you know, you're having conversations with your accountant. You're trying to bring that tax bill down as much as you can. Nobody wants to pay the man, but uh, you need to when it comes to financing. So just make sure that before you make any rash decisions on writing your income down to a point that might actually impact financing, if you do have plans on refinancing or purchasing, whether it be owner-occupied or rental um, in the near future, we should have a conversation about what that income needs to read if you're trying to get conventional financing. Um, again, it's just planning ahead. And unfortunately, a lot of people, especially first-time buyers, they don't know that they're going to be in a position to buy a house in six months, right? So a lot of people are calling us saying, hey, you know, we want to get pre-approved. Sure enough, we look at tax returns and the income is written way down. And that might push us back, uh, you know, a couple of years of, of future planning. Or maybe we look at some other programs that can be a little bit more expensive. But yeah, at the end of the day, uh, the tax time is huge. And, and just make sure you're having a conversation with us or your broker or bank about, um, you know, what that income kind of needs to read to make sure you can achieve your goals. It's a good point. I mean, especially if you're looking to maintain a, a AAA mortgage rate, which would be with your your, your prime lenders, your your 
your big five banks, the, the brands you would be aware of on the streets, those those institutions are going to require very diligent planning. And and in two years is, you know, may, may, most people may think two years will go by quick. It, it doesn't when you really need to make something happen. And and planning accordingly is so important. And having those discussions with with your with your financing team is is just crucial uh, to actually being able to achieve those goals. Yeah, and I mean, that, that leads into a conversation, which we'll talk a little bit more as we go forward about the idea of working with professionals who are either self-employed or do this for a living. You know, if you're self-employed, one of the things that I find that is most interesting is that <clears throat> a lot of people in their first few years, somewhere around the first three to five years, they don't really um, have a good team of people around them, whether it be accountants, uh, investment advisors, financial planners, uh, mortgage professionals. And I, I find that a lot of times that's where people often get stuck is they don't really get advice from somebody who is used to working with someone who is self-employed. And the investment advising and tax planning thing is massive here because we work with some accountants who who will actually send us the information in advance of a client filing taxes to say, hey, what's the impact on this client's qualification? They're thinking about buying a home this year or they'll just send them over when they're thinking about it so we can get ahead of it. So you know, one of the things for you guys to think about here, if you're getting self-employed or you're newly self-employed or you are right now is, you know, having a good team around you, not just us, but the other people. And uh, as a quick little plug, if you want uh, a connection and it makes sense, uh, if you reach out, we'll, we'll see if we can make an introduction there for you. But, you know, let's talk a little bit about some of the basics here and planning ahead. So there's some common things that people should know or be aware of. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and suggest because this is lending, you got to put an asterisk by everything we say because there's some gray areas and there's some little rules in between. But we're going to work within the general rules of uh, general rule of thumb. So when it comes to financing, a lot of people are looking for what we call conventional standard financing. They want to get qualified through your typical bank programs or you know monoline lenders or credit unions. And there are some common considerations that you should be aware of, uh, depending on your down payment and so forth. But one of them is length of time as a as an individual who's self employed. Right, so BFS contracted, uh, incorporated, whatever that is, and the first thing you need to know is typically lenders are looking for you to be uh, self-employed for two years to qualify under standard conventional financing. Now, a couple quick little tips there is there are a few exceptions to that rule. You know, certain professions such as doctors and uh, other uh, types of professions banks have made certain policies for, but as a general rule of thumb. Uh, most self-employed individuals are required to be two years in to qualify for the amount that they're well based on conventional financing there yeah and just on that two-year piece it doesn't mean that when you hit the two-year anniversary of being self-employed you can go now and get a mortgage from td and scotia you have to have two years of tax filings right because gross income means nothing i mean there's a bit of weight on it but not a lot what banks are really looking at is the net income uh, on your tax return over the course of two years, right? So like if you started your business in June, unfortunately that two-year marker is not gonna do it. You're gonna have to wait until the following tax year or that existing tax year is complete. Uh, and then we're taking an average of the two years to justify what your income is gonna be. And again, this is conventional lending. This is another big one for people who are getting started in their business. The first year is typically always the hardest. The first two years are typically always the hardest. You're spending lots of money, you're marketing, uh, depending on the type of business, you're buying equipment, right? So sometimes those first couple of years can uh, not look very good on paper. So if that is you and your situation, just keep this in mind. We want to try to keep that net income as high as possible uh, for qualification. It's important to note that there are exceptions here as, as well. Uh, 
especially if you've coming from a, a industry where you were already working in the same field. As an example, we see a lot of trades uh, like electricians or even lawyers for that matter that were working at a firm as an employee uh, and now have gone out and started their own business. So there are areas where you could look at, okay, we have one year on your own as a self-employed individual and one year as as an employee at your previous position because it's the same industry and it's, it's the same job essentially there there are exceptions there so if you're listening to this thinking oh gosh i, I gotta wait another year or a year and a half definitely not uh, always the case and it's always good to to reach out and again back to the planning and, and working with the financial team that's where we can work through these items yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. I think we've said it enough times. So anybody listening knows there's some asterisks to all this stuff. So <laughs> make sure if you're uh, in one of these circumstances and you're maybe in that gray area, you reach out to us to have the conversation. So a couple things to note here. I mean, a lot of people know about, you know, when you're buying a property with less than 20% down, you got to go through one of the three insurance agencies in Canada. Again, it's not just CMHC. We also have Sagent uh, and Sagan. I don't even know how to say it anymore, but Sagan, Sagan, whatever it is and uh, Canada Guarantee. And, and a lot of people don't realize that those different insurance agencies also have slightly different variations of how they look at the self-employed program. So um, there are programs where you can qualify to use some of your business income to help you qualify over and above what the amount that you claim is if you're borrowing with less than 20% down. It's important to note that you have to put 10% down at minimum to consider that as an option. And it is quite strict. So again, this is where tax planning comes in because when we're looking at the certain types of things we can add back to your income to help you borrow more. Again, it's very, very clear and there's certain guidelines that we can do this or we can't do that. So again, planning ahead, be, you know, be aware of that. But if you're self-employed and you're trying to qualify less than two years and you think you might be able to squeeze a little bit more juice from your income instead of walking into your bank and wasting your time talk to us about one of these stated programs because there's some options there for you and just a little bit on stated income basically what that is 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 we do with this 10 percent down insured program we do have to take into consideration what you actually filed on your tax returns and then we're looking through bank statements and financial statements and we're trying to justify more income within the business that just maybe wasn't drawn out um, you're going to find that this program is not super aggressive you're not going to see a massive bump in qualification but it definitely can help especially in a market like this where every single dollar counts when it comes to qualification um, you know if, if you're self-employed and you're really trying to get aggressive maybe we can dig into B lending alternative lending now uh, these are programs where bare minimum uh, down payment requirement is 20% this is not an insured program and uh, these are bank statement driven programs so a lot of these alternative stated income programs actually don't look at your tax returns at all they don't want to see them we have to sift through 12 months of business bank statements looking at income deposits and consistent withdrawals and we basically draw up a sheet with you that justifies what we really think that you are earning inside of your business not personally uh, and these programs can be massive i mean we've had clients that are claiming forty thousand dollars personally and we're able to get them a 1.4 million dollar mortgage because their business is doing that well right these are not programs that you're going to get conventionally through your you know, Scotias and TDs and RBCs. Uh, these are through alternative lenders. There's about 10 of them roughly across Canada. Some of them are great for these programs. Some of them are not. Um, you're typically going to pay a slightly higher rate and a fee. So there is an extra cost. Um, and you know what? A lot of times these programs are short term. Typically, you know, maybe it's one to two years. 
over the course of one to two years, we're working with you and your accountant to boost your income. And sometimes it's credit related, but we're typically working with you to fix whatever that issue was so that in, over the course of one, two, three years, we can transition you back to, you know, the institution that you want to be with. Oh, you know, I want to touch on that a little bit here because um, it's interesting to look at the what we do a, lately in the last year. We've done a lot of alternative type of lending like this, like a lot. And I mean, I guess it depends on the type of people that are coming across our desk and what they're trying to do. We help a lot of realtors, actually real estate agents, and this is a great way for them to get into the market um, <clears throat> without having to wait three, four or five years because they've had a fantastic one or two years. And I mean, when you look at it, if there's a fee on the loan amount, if you're borrowing 500,000 bucks, that's five grand. Typically the actual interest rate, and, and you guys know this, but the actual interest rate, we usually go on a one or a two year commitment and it almost mirrors what a five year fixed is with a bank. So realistically, the only big difference in cost is a, is a, a fee. And let's say it's between one to 2% of the loan balance. So let's, let's play on the high side. Let's say it's up to 2% in this circumstance, just for the sake of being conservative, call it 10 grand. You know, again, in, we're in a real estate market right now where prices are increasing 10 grand a week, not let alone, you know, 10 grand over the course of a year. If you can get into a property hold, start paying off the principal as opposed to paying rent and pay that money, and you're not paying yourself, you know, 10 or 15 or $20,000 of taxes, Think of it at, at worst as a break even, at best as earning money or making money on the actual uh, purchase of a property. So it really just comes down to making sense of a situation and not looking at it from just one perspective. And that's a big thing I'd tell anybody if you're self-employed starting a business and you haven't claimed enough, but you want to make some magic happen because you're actually earning revenue. Yeah. And interestingly enough, we've had a lot of clients that just choose to stay with an alternative lender because the rates are relatively in line, even if they are half a percent higher. Um, keep in mind that to get away from that, you are boosting your income to a level uh, to qualify you with a bank, which can often trigger a hefty tax bill. Um, so some clients just choose to stay with that alternative lender and renew and renew and renew rather than uh, adjusting their income accordingly. It's a good thing to look at, but it also we're, we're not trying to be tax taxation evaders, I guess you could say there's no evasion here. It's just honestly just prudent planning. If there's a way to, to potentially plan, uh, especially with your accountant, how to save some funds when it comes to taxes, uh, and you're doing it in the right way, which you know all professional accountants you can trust in that regard, it's just a cost scenario and it's really something you should look at you know you're you're literally comparing apples to oranges when it comes to how much money you're giving either the bank or or the government and whatever is best for you from a cost scenario is what you should consider it really is that black and white how many dollars are leaving your bank account where are they going absolutely you hit the nail on the head on all all accounts there guys it's just a good reminder that there are other options out there for clients and i'm shocked all the time that uh, people don't think they can do a lot of these things so let's talk a little bit. So we touched a little bit on uh, some of the uh, you know conventional programs with less than 10% you know, or more down. Can you qualify with 5% down being self-employed? I should probably address that really quickly. The answer to that question is yes, you can. We would just have to use your actual income that you're claiming over uh, typically a two-year net average. So that's probably important to note that uh, you can qualify with 5% down, not just 10%. 10% is if you are looking to use a little bit more of your business income. You can qualify anything under the standard guidelines as long as you pay yourself. So we just want to make sure you guys are aware of that really quickly as we're walking through that. We talked a little bit about B programs and there's quite a few different variations of those programs. We can use contracts. Uh, you know, we can look at things like the money that's coming into your business bank account. Um, you know, in the case of real estate agents, we can look at your commission. So we've seen your commission coming in as long as we can prove that you've earned money in your business, generally speaking, we can use that income with a lot of these B lenders that Derek and Dean are mentioning here. So it's pretty key to, to consider that. 
Um, you know, so there are a lot though of, of myths when it comes to being self-employed. There's tons of myths, tons of different situations that we can talk about. We don't even have enough time to talk about one episode right now, but we're just going to touch on the more uh, common ones that we've seen lately and just kind of discuss those with some circumstances. So um, maybe guys want to take that away with uh, just some of the common myths that you find and, and uh, you know, obviously besides some of the ones we've touched on here. Yeah, I mean, you actually just hit one that uh, I wanted to touch on, which is the 5% down piece. Uh, the amount of people that I talk to that are in business and they think that they have to have 20% down to qualify. You qualify just like everybody else. You qualify the same as the guy that's retired, the same as the lady that's uh, working full-time or part-time, right? We can do as minimal as 5% down on a $500,000 purchase. We just have to use your net income, right? The income that you actually claim. So that's a huge myth that's out there. If you're self-employed, you don't have to have 20% down. Again, depends on your situation, right? If you haven't been in business for two years, yeah, you might need 20% down, but in general, you can purchase with the same down payment requirements as everybody else, as long as we're using uh, your base income. I think another one I, I see quite a bit and it's important to touch on is where an employee working for a company has been switched to a contractor. So they're being paid as a essentially a self-employed individual within the same company. So th their day-to-day -day is the exact same. They're doing the same task, being just simply receiving their compensation differently. And they think that they're still employed you are now considered uh, a self-employed individual. Uh, there, again, back to what I mentioned earlier, there are exceptions in this area, but it's important to note that you are, in theory, a self-employed individual and you will be treated that way. Yeah, those are uh, really good key points here. Really good key points. Um, I, I don't think we've touched on, uh, as far as I can recall, we haven't really touched on the, uh, the family member self-employed thing yet, have we guys? Because uh, not in high level detail. So this is a big one and there's a few different avenues that we can go with the uh, family member being self-employed or your business being self-employed. Um, you know, a lot of uh, our clients, their partners, wives or husbands, uh, kids or that sort of thing are paid from a company that they own due to the nature of the proximity of, you know, of course, family members owning the business. Lenders look at that as, in a way, being self-employed. Not completely, but in many ways. So there's two different ways we could look at that. First of all, if the person who owns the business is not on the application, then the person who is the family member must show a two-year income average. You can't just bump up your income one year or give like an artificial employment letter. Lenders won't look at that for obvious reasons. A lot of people say, hey, I'm just going to bump up my income for you know the next three months or six months while I'm getting a mortgage. And, and they're not dumb at the lenders there. They know exactly what's happening. So if you're a family member of a business owner, keep in mind, they're going to look for a two-year net income average. So that's important to be aware. Now, if you're the person that's applying for the, the loan, uh, very similar. Like, again, a lender is going to qualify you as a two-year income average of what you pay yourself or what you're paying your partner, not just what you state for that one year or that one period of time. So that, that is a very important consideration there. This is a really important piece. I've seen lenders really get into the weeds on this. We've had, uh, we've had an individual that was married to a lady and he was working for that lady's mother so his wife's mother um, they I don't know how they figured this out I didn't even know this was going on at the time but he was working for this uh, his wife's mother and they pulled this sort of a, a, a rule on him where they wanted a full two-year average luckily he, he was working there in good faith and was earning what he said he was earning but it was a little eye-opening for us to see that not only will they just look at it from a you know a direct family member but even an indirect family member it, it, they really do get into the weeds on this and they they take it very very seriously so it's it's not something you want to play around with 
Yeah, I think just when it comes to disclosure, right? Um, back to Alex's point, if you're an owner or even a part owner of a business, but you're taking a T4, right? Like that kind of, you're being paid as an employee, but you still have ownership. Like you're a business owner and they're going to look at a two-year average. And for us, I mean, if somebody does a mortgage application and they outline that they're an employee of X company and they provide us with T4s and a job letter and a pay stub, it's hard for us to know any different. Right. And the challenge there is, I mean, we have to do a lot of due diligence and we have to look at T1 generals and we have to see how, you know, you've disclosed your income taxes over the last couple of years. But if that's what you tell us and it doesn't come up and this comes up later with the lender after you've removed subjects and you don't have a two year average, that could absolutely kill your application. So just make sure that if you are a shareholder of or a director of the business that you're bringing in income from, even if it is T4 income, make sure that we're aware that you are an owner because we do have to look at a two year average. Absolutely. <laughs> All makes sense across the board. Uh, fantastic. Hey guys, I don't think we've touched a lot about retained earnings in corporate uh, for corporate clients, but I just want to have a quick little run through on that piece too. So we do also get people who, uh, again, their accountants can get creative, not breaking the law or anything like that, but writing off a lot of their expenses. And if you own a company or if you're a business owner, um, you're going to have something that you you retain money in the company. These are called retained earnings. It's important to recognize that again, like Derek mentioned, if you are working with certain lenders. Even if you pay yourself $100,000 a year, a lot of lenders these days actually want to see your business financials to see what the company is doing. And a lot of people will actually report what we call a loss in their company, which means they're not earning or holding any money in that company. And if that's the case, please be aware that certain institutions will actually not use like the, a gross up on your income. They won't bump up your income or they will decline to give you certain exceptions that maybe someone else would get. But basically what I'm saying is that it's not that you can't qualify. It's just to be aware that could have an impact on your overall qualification. So, I mean, again, we're kind of getting in the weeds when I say that stuff, but we see it all the time. So it's probably an important consideration here. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes there's an explanation like we touched on, right? Sometimes people need to buy equipment, right? Like sometimes I've had a company that had to buy a $2 million piece of equipment for their business. And that actually created a loss for that year. Right. So like if there is a net loss in your business, we just need to understand why. And these are detailed conversations that if you're not having these with your bank or broker, um, you could see a decline, you know, uh, if we're not giving the lender the proper information. But on the flip side to all this, we also see a lot of businesses that have si significant net income. Right. Like there's a lot of extra income within that business. Um, and we've talked a lot about, you know, 10% down stated income, uh, B lending stated income. There are some unique programs for business owners that run a very, very efficient uh, and cash flowing business where we can actually extract a portion of that net income. We basically take an average of the two years and we can use a portion of that and add that into your personal income for qualifying. So if you run a really, really tight ship and there's income within your business, that can actually support an application as well with 20% down with an A lender, a conventional lender. So let's kind of highlight guys, let's just do a little bit of a, a highlight on some of the things you can do as self-employed that we, we have touched on briefly. Uh, again, I want to remind you guys, if you are self-employed, you can qualify for a mortgage with less than 20% down, contrary to popular belief. Again, you want to see ideally a two-year average if you're trying to qualify in that way. That's what we're hoping here for most lenders. If you're a medical professional or something of that, that nature, you might have exceptions. So reach out in those situations or those cases. And of course, if you're going to go, uh, things that you, you want to consider, again, if you're going to go uh, and start a corporation and pay yourself, 
you can still qualify, but your qualification will just change. Anything else from a roundup perspective that you guys want to touch on that maybe we want to hit a little harder? Just something to re-highlight, uh, you know, if you're new to business six months in or what have you, there are still options on the alternative side. The alternative side seems to have a bit of a bad, you know, aura around it from a cost perspective. But to be honest, rates are actually very close in cost to, to your AAA option. So it's certainly something to consider. And I don't want anyone to think that that's a bad option um, or to be embarrassed by that. That's a great option and a lot of good people um, stay there for life, which we touched on. Yeah, B lending is super, super common nowadays, especially with home prices and qualification guidelines. Another thing to note is that when people hear B lender, you know, they get a little bit nervous. They're not sure who this is. Is this some guy in his garage lending his money? These are actual banks. These are institutions, Canadian Western Bank. Everyone's probably seen a branch, right? They're one of the biggest alternative lenders in Canada. So these are awesome institutions that are there for a reason, right? If you're not quite fitting in on the conventional side, this is the next step. Yeah, good points, guys. Really good points. This isn't, uh, you know, if you were somebody looking to get a mortgage maybe five, seven, ten years ago and you were looking at these options, they there was actually, I'd say it was before 2016 when they made a series of uh, changes there. Um, it, that was when we used to see a lot bigger of a gap there. But ultimately, alt lending is becoming more and more and more popular as more people are becoming self-employed and they're becoming more competitive. So, yeah, don't be ashamed. The other thing is if you are looking to go this route, uh, certainly you got to work with somebody that knows this stuff. Like we do a fair amount of alternative business on our team. Um, but again, a lot of it's, it's almost like reading another language in the lending space. You got to know what to look for and know what to look out for. And the guidelines are just constantly evolving. It's case by case. So it's much more consultative than a typical salaried employed position, a lot more back and forth. So just be aware of that as you're getting into this process uh, of who you're looking to hire. So I mean, aside from that, I think we've kind of touched on everything we wanted, we wanted to touch on here for your roundup. So if you're thinking about filing your taxes for 2022 and a real estate is in your future this year or next year or any other timeline, hopefully this will help you, uh, you know, carve a path to, to owning more real estate and making some magic happen. And as always, if you want to reach out to the partners, the team uh, at Thrive Mortgage Co., we've got a fantastic team of uh, the three of us and, and, you know, 12 incredible support people that uh, know what they're doing and we all are here to help you. So send us a message, thrivemortgage.ca, Instagram, at Thrive Mortgage Co. Or if you're loving the podcast, at the YVR Remo Show, leave us a review and we'd love to talk to you soon. Thanks guys, talk to you soon.